science enthusiasts, my name is Jason Zakowski. I'm a high school chemistry teacher and your host. You probably know our dogs, Bunsen and Beaker from social media. They're the science dogs. This show takes what's best from their account and swirls it into podcast form. Every week, we're going to take a look at something timely in science and do a deep dive into some pet science. We also have an expert guest who enthralls us and educates us with their knowledge in their area of science. This is The Science Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us this week on The Science Podcast. I'm not going to lie, it's been tough to watch the COVID numbers grow and skyrocket in the United States. We've met so many amazing people who live down there, and we know so many people that live down there, and I just hope everybody is staying safe. Alberta isn't without bad behavior with COVID. Um, There's a lake near where we live called Sylvan Lake, and over the last couple days, well, it'd be more like a week by the time the podcast comes out. It was, on the weekend, there was some really hot weather and the beaches were packed. Now, our case numbers of COVID are really low. Like in central Alberta, where this lake is and where we live, there's only, you know, on any given day between zero and five active cases. So it's easy to contact trace that. But if you have a packed beach, I know it's outside, but you just increase the risk level. So there's a lot of... I guess social media media shaming of everybody that went there and then there's some folks that went there and realized just the great mistake that they made. I know everybody is getting so sick of social isolation, but packed areas especially inside are are super risky. They are. They are very very risky. Let's move on to what's on the podcast this week because it's more uplifting than talking about some frustrating social media posts and people crowding beaches. I have a really fun article we're going to talk about, Sicilians, uh, which are these amphibians. They found them with some very interesting structures. In dog science, we're going to take a look at dog dreams. Um, Beaker's been having a lot of dreams, some good, some bad. We don't know. (laughs) Uh, But Bunsen is always very concerned about her when she's crying in her sleep, which is really cute. Our guest this week is the amazing Chelsea Connor, who studies lizards and a specific type of lizard. I'm not going to give away more than that. Our interview is coming up later in the episode. Don't miss it. As always, we've got trivia and stories about Bunsen. Hey dogs, I got a joke for you. A man walks into a classroom with a reptile on his shoulder and the kids are like, yay, that's so cool. What's your reptile's name? And the man says, hey, my reptile's name is Tiny. And the kids are obviously confused. They're like, why, why would you call your reptile Tiny when it's so obviously not? And the man says, because he's minute. <laughs> okay, on with the show. Because there's no time like science time. This week in science news, we've got two articles, so they're kind of on the small side. One is a fun one and one's a serious one. So I'm just going to quickly talk about the first one, which is about Sicilians. Sicilians are amphibians. They are like a frog, but they look like snakes. They have long bodies. They, yeah, they, they, some, they do look like a nope rope. Now, there's some new findings that came about about Sicilians that is kind of shocking. An evolutionary biologist with the Bhutanan industry in Sao Paulo, Pedro Mahalio Fontana. Anyways, I hope I get that right. Pedro and his team have found a couple things interesting about Sicilians. That they have glands that secrete toxin um, in their tails, poison in their tails, and mucus on their heads. Now... Pedro's team and he himself have found something really interesting and new about the Sicilians. Pedro was looking at a skull of a Sicilian and then 
kind of looking at the mucous glands, he saw that there were other glands on the upper and lower jaw of the mouth. That the, and these glands had ducts going right into the teeth. So that caused, their, that caused them, like their spidey sense to tingle because if you have glands and ducts going to the teeth, that is very similar to snakes. So they took them and they put them underneath electron microscopes and they found exactly that. That just like glands and snakes that produce venoms, the Sicilians had the same thing. And this is a first for amphibians. So <laughs> uh, scientists who study Sicilians used to say, yeah, they're, they're mostly harmless, but now they have bitey, bitey teeth that, are, uh, that, that produce toxin. The toxin contains phospholipase A2, which is a fat-chopping protein. So it basically like chops up fat. It's a frequent component in a lot of animal venoms. Now, other amphibians do have toxins. There's some skins that have bony protrusions, and there's other reptiles, of course, that secrete toxin on their skin. But all of those defense mechanisms are basically if something was trying to bite them, they'd get poked by the bone or they'd get the toxin in their mouth that's on the skin. There isn't a pumping mechanism. It's like an oozing mechanism, kind of like a gila monster that just like oozes out the venom onto the teeth. So this is this is a relatively new discovery. While they do have, well, that phospholipase uh, enzyme was discovered uh, in the venom in the that was in the Sicilian, they're still doing more research to determine if it's enough to incapacitate a prey, if it's enough to fend off an attacker, or is it if it's really like could hurt a human. So there's a lot more study that needs to be done with these Sicilians. Okay, so that's the first little science article. It's about some Sicilians trying to infiltrate the snake world, the nope rope world. The second article comes from a study in a journal called The Proceedings of the National Academy of Science, and it was looking at the airborne transmission route for COVID-19. They also applied the mask variable to it. To make a long story short, they looked at data coming out of New York's outbreak, Italy's outbreak, and China's outbreak. And they compared how the virus spread, how the virus was stopped spreading, and the different techniques each country used. So they found that the transmission was mostly airborne. It was from aerosols coming from the mouth and the nose. Those aerosols are highly virulent, which means that COVID-19 can spread on surfaces, but it's, it's not as infectious. The analysis also looked at face coverings in China versus the Western uh, nations not really adopting face coverings. And the conclusion that the face coverings in public was probably the most effective means to prevent transmission. And it was transmission of asymptomatic carriers. So if you don't know that you're sick, you could be breathing in, on people and giving it to them. And it was very effective at limiting that. Um, they also said that, yes, social distancing, keeping you know X amount of meters or feet apart, uh, staying home, it was helpful too. Contact tracing was also super important, extensive testing. But the main difference in stopping the spread was face coverings. So that brings me to the post that uh, Bunsen's account made about face masks. I, I saw this our article um, and I, I decided to post about it. And man, the blowback was intense. I am not sure what's going on with face masks, how it just became the amount of pseudoscience behind it. But it's a very simple thing 
to cover your face when you go outside. Obviously, there's some people who can't wear masks, people with severe lung damage. Maybe you have sensory overload if you have autism. It's probably a couple other things, but the vast majority of people can wear cloth masks, and there's zero evidence that it interferes with your breathing. Like You're not going to pass out from wearing a cloth mask, but it's one of the easiest way to shut down transmission of the disease. They cited another study that something like if everybody in the United States, and I'm using the United States data just because of the massive outbreaks in Florida, Texas, Arizona, and parts of California, Canada's growth curve in many places is almost over. Um, our big provinces still have some spikes, but a lot of places in Canada, they're, they're, it's flat. Um, anyways, they said that something like 40,000 people could be saved if the vast majority of Americans adopted mask wearing. And that's really hard for me to fathom that a society would let 40,000 people die uh, just because they don't want to cover up their faces. I'm not sure how this became a political issue, and I don't want to get into that because it's not. It's science. And the evidence that's coming out now, remember, there's all of this data that all of all of the different government bodies are having to sift through because COVID is new and we are finding out more and more as different data points come in. We've had outbreaks in other parts of the world that we can study now and it appears masks are highly effective. That's science news for this week. This week in pet science, we're going to look at dogs and dreaming. This comes from Beaker having a bunch of different dreams where she kind of like twitches a little bit and cries out and Bunsen is super concerned about that so he goes over and lays next to her. Um, I've caught a couple adorable pictures of it. It's really, really cute. So the question is, do dogs dream? There's a pretty conclusive answer to that and that's yes. And this follow-up question is, what do they dream? Well, that's a tougher one to answer because nobody can speak dog. But the evidence seems to show that dogs dream like we dream. This information comes from the book, Do Dogs Dream Nearly Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know? by uh, Stanley Cohen. He's a professor of psychology at British Columbia, so Canada. Of course, dogs sleep a lot more than humans, and there have been previous studies that looked at brainwave patterns of dogs when they sleep. Before we get to the dog, let's talk about us because that's how we're comparing to a dog, right? How humans sleep to what we find from dogs. We, we kind of like take what we know about us and we compare that to a dog. Now, just for a recap, there's two different types of sleep, REM and non-REM sleep. And humans seem to remember REM dreams. These are when dreams are very vivid. They're kind of weird and wacky. And humans are more likely to wake up right after your REM sleep and thus remember the dream. Non-REM dreams in trying to like talk to people after they wake up are really simple or very hard for humans to remember. The research team took a look at rats and found out that rats had similar dream patterns to humans. In fact, that most vertebrates seem to have the same kind of dream patterns as humans. And it even extends possibly to invertebrates. So imagine like fruit flies having a fruit fly dream. It's possible. Why is REM and non-REM sleep so important? They have different functions. Sleep, of course, boosts your memory. It consolidates your life experiences that day into long-term memory. Non-REM sleep, sleep experts figure, is a way that your body puts what you've learned into different categories that day. 
Remember that people who are sleep deprived have crazy trouble remembering anything with short term or long term memory. And it appears that the non-REM, the non-REM sleep helps categorize and kind of keep track of all of that. REM sleep, however, is the more creative part of sleep where the brain can attempt to take that information and experience it in a consequence free environment. So your brain comes up with wacky situations to put you in, some very normal, some very weird, and some very scary. Like, okay, you've got to fight five million robots and your weapon is a toothbrush. Oh, by the way, it's raining cotton candy. Um, that may or may not have been something that I've dreamt. <laughs> the brain, as the psychologist um, Wilson says, is always trying to make connections to new information and shortcuts sometimes don't go as planned in the brain. And that happens in REM sleep, so you get some weird connections that aren't necessarily correct. In dogs, after about 20 minutes into a sleep session, they'll go into REM sleep for about two or three minutes. If you're watching your dog at this point, you can actually see their breathing change. Um, in puppies and very old dogs, the muscles might twitch. There's a part of the brainstem called the pons, and that paralyzes your muscles and keeps you from like deciding to fight those robots with said toothbrush while it's raining cotton candy. Um, so it keeps you from hurting yourself. And in, in young dogs, puppies and old dogs, that doesn't work the same way. So those dogs, young and old, may be more likely to twitch or try to act out their dream. And that's what we're seeing with Beaker. In studies where they've paralyzed that part of the brain in dogs, the middle-aged dogs do try to do whatever's happening in their dream. Now, while we don't know exactly what's happening in their dream, a lot of dogs who <laughs> have overactive dreaming may look like they're running on the ground, maybe barking or whimpering. So it probably has to do with them running or chasing something. It probably also has to do with their life experiences. So if you've got a hunting dog, it might have to do with hunting. If you've got a dog that does agility courses, maybe they're dreaming about that, something that they love. Also, dog size determines how long dogs dream for. Small dogs have very, very short dreams, but more of them, and big dogs have longer dreams and less of them. Finally, the psychologists report that it's very likely, in fact, almost probable that dogs do have nightmares. Dogs also can have narcolepsy, so they can just, you know, have, fall into a sudden sleep. But what dogs don't appear to have that humans do with dreams is sleep paralysis. It would be really interesting to think what Beaker and Bunsen dream about. Bunsen loves the snow and he loves hiking and adventures. I'd imagine that's what he's dreaming about. And I don't know if Bunsen's ever had a nightmare, maybe once or twice. Probably it's about a wheelbarrow or a lemon when he was a puppy. Um, Beaker has Beaker has a really active dreaming. So we're always so curious what she's dreaming about. And I don't know if anything really scares her. She plays with Bunsen and loves Bunsen so much. So my guess is she's just dreaming about playing with her big brother. That's pet science for this week. Before we get to the interview section, I just want to tell everybody a little bit about how the podcast is made possible. It's made possible. You can't see me pointing. <laughs> 
but it's made possible by people just like you. If you've been listening to the show and you like the content, consider signing up on our Patreon page as a patron. The podcast, unfortunately, isn't free to run, (laughs) even though we really enjoy doing it. It's been a great addition to our lives. To share more in-depth science news than our Twitter accounts and definitely Instagram can allow. Our Patreon page is patreon.com backslash Bunsen Burner, and there are four tiers of support. If you head over there, you can see the different monetary amounts, but the lowest one is only five bucks a month. That's not that bad. We do about four or five shows a month. Four shows, great education and entertainment for five bucks. Can't beat it. Plus, we send out perks. The other way the show makes money is through merchandise sales. We've worked with a cartoonist to deliver some amazingly adorable merchandise on a merchandise shop, and that's at www.bunsenburnerbmd.com. The links are in the show notes, and you can peruse the adorable merchandise. Thanks, guys. Now on to the interview. On the Science Podcast in Ask an Expert, I have Chelsea Connor with me today. How are you doing today, Chelsea? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. (laughs) I'm good. It's been raining like crazy for us, which is kind of odd weather for us in Alberta. Um, Where are you calling into the Science Podcast from? I'm jealous because it's supposed to get up to like um, 40 degrees today. I'm sorry, that's 102 um, from everybody that uses the wrong measurements. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, some 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 uh, some Fahrenheit shade there. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Texas right now. 40 degrees. Yes. Oh man, I think it gets up that. Oh, that's crazy. I think if it gets up to around 33 or 34 where where we live, everybody is just dying. They can't handle it. So that's like the hottest day ever for us. (laughs) No, um, it's it's been in like the high 30s all week. So um, 38 is like a regular temperature currently, like um, 40 is a bit extra but like 38 is normal it's like 38 today and then 38 tomorrow and then guess what all this weekend is 38 too i was like dang at least you're consistent (laughs) (laughs) that's funny i've been to texas a couple times um we went down to houston as a uh like a for a vacation to nasa we went down there to see some of the the nasa nasa stuff and it was it was like in october and it was still like crazy hot for us. So (laughs) I can't imagine your summers. Mm -hmm. Now, Chelsea, you are studying uh, biology, right? Is is that kind of correct? Yes, I am a organismal biology major at a university in Texas. Um, I I have one, literally one course left to do. And then I am on to hopefully my PhD. That's so exciting. So what specifically are you taking? Like, what are some of the courses you could tell people about that you're you're in right now in biology? The one course that I have left to take is vertebrate zoology. The professor that is teaching it is really good, so I'm not worried about that. Um, I have done it before at a previous university that I transferred from. Um, this school isn't accepting that course, which I don't understand mm. why that happens. Um, I feel like. <laughs> If I'm transferring from another college, literally the same major, you should be able to accept all of the courses. But I have done before, uh, one of the classes I really liked was comparative anatomy. Um, I got to Mm. learn about musculature and bones and um, a lot about evolution. And those are like really fun things to learn about, especially with my study subject, um, with how diverse they are and how there's a lot of... um, 
convergent evolution and uh, just learning about that formally really just puts everything into place. Very cool. So what what was the draw to science and biology for you? Um, like that's a, like for a lot of people, they, they might like the idea of animals and, and ecosystems and habitats, but you are pursuing something like if you're going into your PhD, you must have a real passion for biology. What did, did it grab you when you were young? Yes, it did. Um, I'm from the Commonwealth of Dominica in the Caribbean. And um, my island has a wide range of flora and fauna. And I grew up like a lot of questions about it, a lot of curiosity. Um, my dad and I would watch Discovery Channel uh, during the week, but especially like on the weekends. So I grew up watching Steve Irwin, um, and a lot of other, yeah, a lot of animal show hosts. And I, I did not realize at first that that could be a job. I thought it was just like a special thing that certain people got to do. Um, but then eventually I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) you can, you can literally (laughs) just like go around and like look at animals and you get paid to do that. And, um, you get to paid to like tell people about animals. More importantly, I get to just spend my life just like look at this animal. You guys look at oh, it. Let me tell amazing. you why it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so awesome! You found your passion. Now, mine isn't cute and cuddly because I'm I teach chemistry and I I have a chemistry degree. So it's I'm like look at this molecule. It's not so cute and cuddly, but if you put eyes on it, it is. But <laughs> <laughs> um, you said you were from the Commonwealth of Dominica. Could you, wh- where is that? Can you tell everybody a little bit about that that island? Yeah, so the Commonwealth of Dominica is in the middle of the chain of islands. Um, it's between two French islands. It's pretty small. Um, a lot of people get it confused with the Dominican Republic, so it's not that. Mm. Um. They're not even very close to each other. Um, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me see. My island has a population of about like 71,000 people. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. so tiny. Yeah, it's a small, oh. it's a really small island. Um, did you find it, did you find it hard coming from an island to mainland? Like you're in Texas right now. Do you miss mm-hmm. some things of the island? I miss a lot of things. I miss the beach. I miss um, (laughs) knowing where I am. When I'm at home, like, even if I can't see the water, even if I'm, like, in the middle of the island and can't see the water, I know which way is north. Here, I'm just like, um, I guess I'm just turning right. I don't know where I am. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) If you're in a big city, right? Like, there's no natural landmarks or, like, yeah. That's yeah. so true. I get so lost in big cities because I live in like, I don't live on an island, <laughs> but I live in the country. And, and for us, us uh, like rural people, you know where everything is because of nature um, and because of uh, weather patterns and things like that. It's so cool. That's similar, but very different. Yeah. So you're missing the beach, eh? <laughs> yes. I'm, <laughs> you... I'm definitely missing the beach. Um Every time I go, like, my friends will take me somewhere, like, oh, we can go swimming here. And I look at it, and I'm like, this is it? Really? <laughs> um, like, no offense, but I'm not getting it. <laughs> the The west coast of Canada has, um, like, on the island, on Vancouver Island, 
has beaches that stretch for kilometers. So they're, they're gorgeous beaches, but they're really far away from most people that live in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the water temperature is vastly different from, from there versus a little further South. <laughs> <laughs> I act like, I love cold water. Like I'm fine with cold oh, water. Okay. Um, uh, when I was growing up, it wasn't very common to have water heaters back home. So we just like always had oh. like cold water and, um i feel a lot better with cold water than warm water honestly like so when did you did you just come to the united states for for your post-secondary or did your fan did you move like halfway through your life um i came here for school so um, for school okay yeah so uh after i finished um state college we had i went to dominica state college back home after i finished that Mm -hmm. I worked for a while at a medical school and then I went to South Dakota first. That's the first university I went to, one in South Dakota. Um, and then mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this place sucks. I'm going to go back home and regroup <laughs> and come back. Because <laughs> it's so it's so dry and rocky. South Dakota, I think if I'm remembering it right, it's like plains and like rocky. Yes. The, uh, the, the best thing about South Dakota um, is the snow looks beautiful when it just falls um they expect you to still come to class when they're like this close to a blizzard anyway and i'm like what (laughs) oh yeah that's normal for us canadians (laughs) yeah that's normal for people that live up north where they get a ton of snow it's so funny to be here in texas and like less than an inch of snow falls and everyone's like we gotta shut everything down i'm like really (laughs) yeah and the bighorn sheep those are the two best things about south oh they're cool the university that That's I cool. went to wasn't very great or supportive, and um, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, those are things that I need if I'm going to be at your school and I'm going to be successful. So I'm like, well, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna think about things, and then I will be back because I'm definitely not giving <laughs> up. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just need a you didn't need a break, and and you need a kind of a to recenter yourself. Are you finding more support where you are now? Yeah, definitely. Um, I have an amazing advisor. Yeah, I have an amazing advisor. And um, that's how I ended up with Anoles. And um, I I already knew about the Anoles because I have an endemic species on my island. And I've always watched them and observed them. But then to actually get into the research, because my advisor is like, no, you definitely can do research too. Because at first I did not um, think that I could do that. It was like, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know something that people like me can do. And he's like, what do you mean? Anybody can do research if they want to. I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. So <laughs> here I am. All right. So that, that brings, that's a great segue into my next question. One of the things that in your, your profile and you run on Twitter is all about anoles. Can, can you tell people what they are? Like, unless people have seen one or have been talked to about somebody that knows what they are, I bet you people are like, you just said anoles. What, what is an anole? <laughs> <laughs> so anoles are iguanian lizards. So um, they're tree lizards. And some of them do also like li- live in the grass. They're adapted to live in the grass or um, bush. The anolis genus is a really like large, diverse species of uh, lizard. There's um, a ton of them. If you're in America, you've most likely seen the green anole. They're native to North America. How, like how big are they? The, the, are they big or small? 
Um, most of them are, are small. So how we measure lizards is snout to vent. So that's from the tip of their nose to their cloaca because they can lose their tail. So that can affect the, the body mass. So we, we don't oh. measure the <laughs> tail in there. Yeah. So um, It'll give you some messed up data, hey, if you are yeah. measuring a bunch with tails and without tails. <laughs> okay, I see. I see. Yeah, they can get up to about like what four inches, maybe five. There's, most of them do about that. Um, some of them are really small, but there's there's a lot of them. And um, usually, if you see one, it's like it's in a tree, just just chilling. They're very <laughs> diverse as well, so there's a lot of them that have um, specific adaptations and wide range of colors. There's like blue anoles, like one of the anoles that I, I talked about it with my hashtag, did you anole, is the blue anole. And it is the world's only pure blue lizard, meaning that it's just blue. There's no patterning oh, cool. on it. And it, it it's like a periwinkle blue. It's very pretty. Oh, Such wow. A lizard. And um, not That's a lot so is neat. known about it because it's surprisingly cryptic. Like, researchers try to find it and it's like well where is this lizard and we know it's there but they don't see it until it comes down from the tree and they're like oh, okay well there it is <laughs> that's crazy you'd think you'd be able to spot it from a mile away being this weird blue lizard right <laughs> but um i but think they're hidey, because, hidey, hey? yeah i think because like when you look up in the canopy just kind of because the blue makes it look like look like a gap maybe um just kind of blends oh. in the sky like, that's a possibility but it needs more research that's smart and i'm willing to do that research if anybody wants me to i i'm here for it i'm here <laughs> for any anole research hit me up <laughs> so could you uh just for scale could you fit an anole in your pocket <laughs> that's cute um what do they what do they eat or do they do they eat insects or fruit or do they eat whatever they can find so they do eat insects they eat insects there's um a species that actually eats snails which is really cool what yes <laughs> um they're a chameleon mimic so there's like six species that look like chame chameleons they're called fa false chameleons and um they're super cool they eat snails um someone sent me a picture of one that they're taking care of at work and i was like look at this i love it so much and it's a juvenile it's like it doesn't have the weird like face shape quite yet and i'm just like waiting for it to get that face shape and they send me another picture i'm just like so excited <laughs> to climb trees do they have like adaptations on their little little hands to get up and down yeah they do um they do have similar adaptation um to geckos to to get up and down on those oh. trees and then they have really long claws which like some of them have shorter ones and most of them have like really long claws and it's really weird because they just it just like they have like extremely long fingers and toes and it's like what are you doing with those what's happening here <laughs> it's just to grip the tree i guess hey yes, would, would they scratch you if you pick them up like if you are they um, are they sharp and no, it does strong not, enough to like no. to hurt you it no it doesn't no? okay um they do try to bite though which doesn't really hurt. like would it hurt you if you got hit bit by one it feels like a clothespin on your finger, if at all. Like they're, just, they're small. But like, oh, okay, I guess you got me. <laughs> <laughs> it's you're like nice try, little thing. Good job. <laughs> it did its best, and I will respect it. Yeah, 
that sounds like a way better bite than our little puppy right now because she's got little piranha teeth. So I would take an anole bite over a beaker bite any day. So, oh my god, I remember that stage of like all of my my dogs when they got to like the teething puppy phase and they're like, I'm just gonna bite you all the time. (laughs) Yep, yeah, we're lucky because we've got the, the two dogs, Big Bunsen. He takes the brunt of her biting, so we get a little oh. less of it. And he just stoically takes it because he's a good dog. <laughs> but, you know, this is a this is a good segue because we always ask our guests for a pet story. Um, do you have a, a pet story you could share with us? Yeah, I, I've had dogs my my whole life. Um but they're Yay. back home in the they're back home in the Caribbean. Um, but okay. here I have my cat, and I have my cat's actually trying to like get into the closet that I'm recording in right now. <laughs> He's like sticking his paw under the door under the door. Oh, He's like, no. oh that's so me? cute. <laughs> um, what's the name of your cat? His name is Roti. R O T I. Roti. Aw, I like that. Yes, I like that. Like the food. <laughs> Yeah. And um, I have a chameleon named Fajita and um, <laughs> a corn snake cannoli. And um, I now have a tarantula, a Texas brown tarantula. Her name is Brownie. Um, so with my with my chameleon, I um, I took her out one day. Cause it's like, oh, hey, let me let me just get you out. How are you doing? Are you OK? And I put her like on my, on the laptop because she likes to like hang out on things while I like work. So I set her on top of oh, there. That's I was like, so cool. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, let me go. Uh, let me go get some water real quick. And I like literally just go fill up my bottle and I come back and she's gone. And I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> I was like, where did she? She's a chameleon. Where could she have gone? She's she doesn't move that fast. And I'm like looking for her, like looking everywhere. I'm looking under the bed. I ask Roti where she is. And Roti's just like, I have not been on the bed. I just look he doesn't bother her so he's just like i didn't touch her honestly i'm uh, just like where did you go i'm i lost my chameleon i'm a bad pet owner and literally she's just on the other side of the laptop the whole time and i just didn't notice her oh my goodness like she just did was she just hanging out with her like suctiony feet like they don't have suctiony feet they got grippy they don't feet. have suctiony feet they have grippy feet um she has like really sharp claws when she climbs my arm i can like feel them and i'm like ow please let me go <laughs> but no she literally just like um hung over the other side of the laptop and because of how it was tilted i didn't see it <laughs> i'm like looking at the laptop screen i'm like she's not here if she went down yeah, yeah, definitely would have come this way right no she was just hanging on yep. the other side and i tore up my entire room looking for this chameleon and she's literally <laughs> hanging on the other side looking at me like what are you doing <laughs> um i missed the name of your corn snake uh could you it's say it cannoli again? oh cannoli oh that's yeah cute. <laughs> um my dog back home i named him taco um he passed recently and it's oh, been I'm heartbreaking sorry. yeah but um my mom told me it was peaceful and he was comfortable mm-hmm. and um she loved him a lot too so i know that she was really sad too yeah it's tough pets don't live our whole life unless you get like a parrot or yeah. an elephant or something like that so <laughs> Yeah, parrots are, they live a really long time, and if you're going to get a pet parrot, they require a lot of attention, and they're most likely going to outlive you if you take proper care of them. Please take proper care of them. Yeah, I might ask you some questions, because I know you have some tropical bird experience uh, later in the podcast. 
Okay. Um, thanks for sharing your story about your pets. It sounds like you've got a nice mix. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know about the tarantula. I, I know they're probably completely safe. And I've seen people at shows like because my son loves reptiles and he loves um, insects. Mm-hmm. You can hold them in your hand and they're like completely docile. But I don't know if I would ever hold a tarantula. <laughs> um, my tarantula has eutricating hairs. That means she can like kick off the hairs on her abdomen um, as predators oh. if she feels threatened. So I try not to bother her too much um, in case one of like my movement accidentally makes her feel scared because um, I don't want her to have to like kick off her hairs. And also um, that wouldn't be great for me <laughs> to get those hairs like in my face or anything so for for the good of both of us i don't handle her a ton <laughs> she she just hangs out she's just the cool yeah. tarantula she just enjoys <laughs> when i oh, toss in the crickets for her and she's like thanks mom <laughs> <laughs> oh. one of the things on your twitter feed that's really cool is you have uh like you do artwork about anoles on popsicles can you t- tell us a little bit about when you started to do that kind of artwork and and why the popsicles? Um, I feel like it's been a while now. I don't even remember when I initially started um doing that artwork. Um, I think it's been a couple months. Yeah, I think I started in like May. So it's been a couple months. I was talking to one of my friends. Their handle is Give Bats a Break. Um, and they know a ton about bats, as you can tell from their <laughs> from their handle. <laughs> but um, he mentioned to me that the uh, like he kept saying that like the anole dewlaps that I every anole that I talk about their dewlaps are really brightly colored. They're candy colored. It's so pretty. Um, they look like popsicles, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> oh. that's actually adorable. I should draw that. And um, anolis uniformis. Um, is the first one that I drew, and that's the the pink um, popsicle with the little purple dot in the middle. That was the first one I drew. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, oh, I'm just gonna draw this. I'm gonna show it to him, and I did it, and I showed it to him, and he was like, oh, that is so cool. And I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Actually, I would buy this on a sticker. I wonder if anybody else would buy this on a sticker. And I asked um, <laughs> my friends, um, everybody in Black AF and STEM, because we have a group chat. I was like, hey, guys, would you buy this on a sticker? And they were like, definitely. I was like, well, there it is. <laughs> so <laughs> it, is, um, it, is ador- it is adorable. I love it. Um, I, I'm going to be ordering some stickers from your uh, your site for sure. Oh, thank you. I'm actually working on a new one right now. And um, I'm also doing a new colorway for one that already exists. And that's going to tie in with the lizard I'm talking about tomorrow. So a lot of cool things Ooh. happening with, <laughs> with the with the dewlaps. <laughs> so is the popsicle color, like, does that go with the color of the of the of the little lizard or is the popsicle just like an artistic choice so the colors of the popsicle are the exact colors of its dewlap the exact colors and as close to the design really? as, as i can get yeah so so cool i'm directly interpreting them as popsicles so i'm getting as close to the design as oh, i can get i love it. while keeping it um a popsicle like i love that i did one with um anolis and with how its dewlap um, 
looks i did have to do it like there was um a coating on it but like um chocolate syrup on something uh so it was like white chocolate syrup so like just keeping with the food theme but trying to still <laughs> keep like the coloring and the any like color blocking that the lizard's dewlap naturally has um like with anola's carolinensis a lot of them have pink dewlaps some of them have like bright red dewlaps but some also have pink um and then for a lot of them that pink starts off with like a purple so i did that i like the pink one so i chose the pink and i did that gradient down from the purple down into the pink so i literally like when i'm drawing these and i'm coloring them i literally have a picture of the anole up right next to where i'm working and i'm pulling directly like i'm swatching directly from that picture to make sure all of my colors are right Oh, that's awesome. We will make sure that the there's a uh, picture in the ad for the podcast and a link to your site in the show notes when the podcast comes out, because I think everybody needs to take a look at this. There, it's just adorable. And if you like little lizards, I mean, um, the prices are so reasonable for little stickers. People check that out when you're done listening yeah. to the, the podcast this week. <laughs> I just thought I've added prints and a t-shirt for one of them and the people have been buying the prints so now I'm thinking maybe I should do prints for the others so that's like a, a thing that I'm, <laughs> I'm working out now but the stickers are always going to be there and the website that I use Redbubble has just added backpacks and duffel bags so I'm like Ooh. um does anybody want an annul backpack because that'd be super cool let's think about this <laughs> so in your uh in your twitter bio it mentions that you are a co-founder of black birders week um now i i know karina newsom from uh being a guest she's a guest on the podcast can you tell everybody about black birders week and how you've helped that uh movement with black birders week it was a response that um we came up with after the um, events in Central Park with Christian Cooper and um, a white woman. Um, actually, I've forgotten her name. Um, That's okay. So, Nobody needs to know who she is. Right? Um, <laughs> so Anna, Anna Opoku Agamen, um came up with the idea and um, from there, we um, developed like a week of events and um, we came up with like flyers and a logo for it and everything. Um, if you've seen the logo, it's like circular bird silhouettes. And um, I tried to choose as many different birds as I could find to, to draw in there. Um, I think there's like a bird of paradise in there somewhere, too. Um, but oh, wow. We we wanted to show people that uh, we are definitely in this space and um, here's the experiences that we have, um, not just as Blackbirders, there's Black nature enthusiasts and outdoor lovers and people in other natural science fields who have to go outside for their work and they experience some of these same issues as well. And we've been talking about it for a while. We, we know that this happens. We, We've told people, hey, this happens. And um, it either wasn't believed or people weren't really hearing us. Mm. And we're like, okay, no, we need you to hear us because look what almost happened to him. Look, look what, you know, like, she's been recorded and she still, like, blatantly lied about what was happening. So this needs to change. And um, we want to celebrate Blackbirders. Um, and we also want 
to bring awareness to this really important issue and um the week was amazing it it was it was so cool it was so cool Um, i'm sorry to interrupt you but i i was just so inspirational to see all of you guys come together um it made my heart full just to see just how powerful that week was for your organ the whole organization of it yeah um one of my favorite parts remains um black in nature um it it's it's incredibly inspiring and beautiful to see all these people who look like me outside enjoying being outside and um honestly like i have not seen that many black people outside before um everybody started sending in their pictures and it's still an amazing hashtag to look through. Um, I know some people still use it, so you can definitely still go like go check it out and look at all these black people outside, um, either doing their field research or just hiking or just having fun. <laughs> and awesome. it's beautiful. It it really like that holds a special place in my heart, and it always will. That's great. Okay, and thank you for so eloquently explaining that to to some people who aren't on Twitter and maybe just listen to the podcast that probably aren't aware that that even happened. Um, so they probably knew about the event in in Central Park, but this the response to it was just so positive and so powerful. It just uh, it reverberated even in Canada. Like there were there were uh, news articles in our Canadian news about it um, during that week. Oh, I know Karina cool. Newsom was featured on CBC News. The national news program so now you did the you did the logo you did the logo chelsea you did the logo for that um i did oh wow congratulations thank you it was sheridan sheridan's idea and i'm like oh okay i can do that and um i just like stayed up all night and uh put in a different a couple different bird silhouettes um kind of like weeded out a couple that i didn't like um made sure that the circle was perfect uh spent hours picking the font because i'm a perfectionist and i'm like it has to be just right <laughs> <laughs> but um when i was done with it i was like really happy with it really excited to show everybody um but uh i'm not sure if it's up on the wikipedia page but if people want more information about black birders week and you um you don't have twitter um you've never you've never seen it before uh we have a wikipedia page um it's just black birders week on wikipedia and it tells you uh, about the the events of the week and about the co-founders and some of the co-organizers as well I will make sure the Wikipedia link is in the show notes. So people are just one click away from learning more information about that. Thanks for sharing that, uh, Chelsea. Um, it's a pretty deep subject uh, for sure. I'm glad we were able to touch on it just a little bit in the, the podcast. Uh, I don't I, I don't know really what kind of response I can give to you aside from that. You, you have many, many allies who are listening and are supporting you now. So and I wished it was different for you and the whole group of blackbirders in the past. I, 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 I'm just so, I'm just so, <laughs> it's, it's hard to bring to terms with, to words with it, that, that voices were not being heard and not being taken seriously. Um, and that's really heartbreaking from, from my perspective. So, um, I think there's a long ways to go, but, uh, with people, with people like you and everybody, everybody else in that crew involved, I think it's going to be a positive change, at least in the direction forward. 
Yeah, definitely. It, I have more hope now seeing the response to this and people saying that they'd like to learn what to do and what they how they can help um, because that is one of the, the first steps. Like figuring out how can I help? How can I help change things? And an important thing to note as an ally is um, use your privilege and use your voice um, to protect and amplify the people who do not have the the same reach or the same power that you. That's a great, that's a great message. I hope this podcast in, in, in this segment does that for you. Um, it's, it's a little tiny, it's a little tiny thing we can do to help for sure. Well, um, one of the things we always ask our guests kind of at the end is for the super fact. And the super fact is something that you know that when you tell people, it kind of like kind of blows their mind a bit. Do you have a super fact you could do you have a super fact you could share with us? Um, I have a couple of null facts I can share with you. Um, oh, yay. So- <laughs> Um, like I said earlier, there's a lot of anoles out there. There's actually like over 400 species of anoles. Um, the largest of those is the Cuban night anole and the males can get up to like 10 to 19 centimeters snout to vent. Remember they said that's from the tip of their nose to their cloaca. (laughs) So the tail isn't even included in that length. That's 10 to 19 centimeters. Um, I think there was one that was like 20 centimeters for people who don't use centimeters. (laughs) That's like four to eight inches. (laughs) Um, and there's even an anole that's that's a big lizard. That is a big lizard. It's big for uh, an anole, especially because people always think of them as like the tiny little um, tree lizards. Um, The false chameleons get pretty big too, but they don't get that big. Um, They don't get quite as big as the Cuban night anole. There's also an anole that's like reported to eat plant material, but I will have more on that later because I am getting that book that that states that it does. So that book is on its way. So um, if you have Twitter, (laughs) listen to my Twitter and I will tell you more about this when that book is in my hands. I can't wait to learn more. Yeah, because like uh, I want to say the anoles that I've seen pictures of, I think I've seen one like I think one was like sitting on a we were in Hawaii and one was like on the guys like uh, he, he had like a little piece of fruit and it was like licking the fruit. And it was about as big as my baby finger. I don't know if that's the typical size of these little things, but it was just a cute little thing. Um, it could have also been a day gecko. Um, day gecko oh, okay. fruit. Um, every picture I see of a day gecko ever, they're licking fruit. <laughs> okay, so that I, I again, I'm not a reptile. Like a, I'm not an anole expert. <laughs> yeah, they do look. They do look pretty similar to the green anoles, especially if you can't see like the orange spotting on their back. Um, day geckos oh, okay. are really pretty. They're they're really pretty as well. But um, both of them are yeah, in was... Hawaii. They're both invasive in Hawaii. Those are cool super facts. Thanks for sharing. Um, everybody loves the super facts section because there's always something that you've never learned before. And now, you know, You're, you know, more about these, the big, the big anoles. What was and the big one called again? The Cuban night anole. And if you want Cuban even night. more, yeah. And if you want even more lizard facts, um, check me out on Twitter. 
every Thursday at six central, I post um did you annul and it's a couple of tweets thread <laughs> about a new annul every week. And sometimes it's just stuff about like how herpetologists talk about lizards. Because one week I um I talked about some terminology that we use and I explained the snout to vet length as well. So um if you wanna get into herpetology and you wanna get into lizards, this is the hashtag for you. <laughs> Uh, we're big fans of puns at the Science Podcast, so I love that did you annul hashtag. That is that is brilliant. Good job. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my best friend helped me come up with that, so I can't take full credit for it. Um, uh, okay. So thank you. I Swabia. would. I would just cut that person out. <laughs> I'd be like, that's my idea now. Thank you. <laughs> no, no, you that. should give people credit. You're right. You should. T- yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't going to call our two our first dog Bunsen until my youngest son came up with the name for him because they were learning about Bunsen burners in oh. school and and right he's a Bernice mountain dog and he's like what about Bunsen? We were going to call him Hubble. Actually Hubble was cuz it's a space telescope, right? So mm-hmm. we're all about science. And you know Bunsen is kind of big and chunky and so is the Hubble te- space telescope so but yeah so we always give Adam we always give Adam credit people are like oh that's such a cute name and part of me is like yeah I know thank you but I say no it's Adam came up with it <laughs> we're at the end of our chat um where can people find you for all this awesome information about lizards and gnolls and, and other stuff where are you on social media so you can find me on twitter at chelsea herps that's c-h-e-l-s-e-a-h-e-r-p-s um and i'm also on instagram at out to chelsea because i thought that that was really clever <laughs> so i didn't make it the same as my <laughs> my twitter um, and you can check out my store for those uh, sick anole stickers that we were talking about earlier. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Chelsea Herps, the same as my Twitter handle. And also I have prints and um, one t-shirt design, but maybe by the time this is up, there will be more. What, what do I mean <laughs> by more? You have to just go look. <laughs> Oh, good. There you go. That is that is some expert uh, capitalist marking right there. You don't know till you go. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like Costco. Every time you don't know what's going to be in Costco till you show up. Exactly. Costco's weird like that. Costco is, <laughs> it's an experience. <laughs> it is. Costco is an experience. <laughs> and uh, do you have any uh, like hashtags or any foundations or uh, or causes you'd like people to check out? Yeah, um, definitely follow at Black AF in STEM um, on our Instagram and Twitter. And um, we constantly are finding um, Black scientists and nature enthusiasts to highlight. And we post those on Twitter and in our Instagram story and Instagram posts, um, as well as any other causes that um, benefit Black people or other people of color uh, that we'd like you to help us support. So if you would like to um, be an ally, if you'd like to find causes to support we're always here for that and we're always putting out as much as we can find awesome um i think bunsen follows that and it's i'm i'm so glad that i did i you find so many new people who yeah. are doing such cool stuff and speaking of somebody that's good doing cool stuff um i know we're at the end here but i'm just so excited to see what your future ho- holds um you said you're 
one course shy and then you're heading into your PhD possibly. So that's such an yeah. exciting time for you. And I'm and we just excited. wish you. I'm looking at like yeah. schools now. I have to talk to you, um, a, a potential advisor. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome, Chelsea. We wish you so much uh, uh, the best of luck in your future in life. So And thanks so much for taking time to talk to us on the yeah, Science Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, this was a real fun chat. I, it was it was great. Now I know what an anole is instead of just picturing that little lizard that probably wasn't one eating that fruit in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was still a really cute lizard. It's still, it's still valid. It was, it was adorable. Yeah. I, there's a, I took a video of it. Somewhere I've got a video of it. <laughs> oh, you should tweet that. I sh- okay, sure. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it. Or my, or my wife has it on her phone. One of the two. <laughs> yeah, definitely tweet it. And then we can find out for sure if it's a null or a day gecko. Okay, yeah. That's a great idea. You're way smarter than me. I was just going to like live in forever of not knowing. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay, you take care of yourself, Chelsea. Uh, it was great to talk to you. Thank you, you too. Hey, everybody. I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Genius Lab Gear. Genius Lab Gear is giving everybody 10% off everything at their store if you use the code BUNSEN10. That's B-U-N-S-E-N 10. Genius Lab Gear has a ton of cool stuff. We love that they sent Bunsen a bandana that says PhD Emotional Support Dog. It's so cute. Also, they have these little wallet-sized stencils for doing organic molecules. And if you're not a scientist or a science teacher, there's gear at the site that you would like as well, including Sciences for Everyone stickers and a whole bunch of other stuff. Check them out. That's at GeniusLabGear.com. It's time for Woo or Wow on the Science Podcast, and I have the amazing Elizabeth Bourgeois with me as a co-host. How are you doing today, Elizabeth? Oh, I'm doing really good. I'm so glad to be here. Yay! <laughs> now we were talking a little bit before uh, I started recording. You had you've had a couple busy days. What what have you been busy doing? Yeah, we've been catching a lot of nuisance alligators lately, and um, the smaller ones we relocate them out into the Chafalaya Basin. So we've been on the water a lot, relocating them. Now, for those of you who don't, uh, or maybe are just tuning into the Science Podcast, Elizabeth was a guest in season one. Um, you did, you talked to us about forensic accounting and alligators. So you can listen to more of Elizabeth's stories about alligators and math, uh, <laughs> on, a, on, a, on an earlier podcast. It was a really good episode. That was, yeah, that was interesting. Cause it wasn't very long after that, that the coronavirus thing started and we were, ha- we had talked about doing a uh, avian flu surveillance with, uh, ducks when I was on there. So it was kind of interesting how that all turned out. Is your family coping okay with coronavirus? My son and my daughter, you know, they're both in college, so they went online. And um, unfortunately, my daughter's boyfriend's dad passed away from the uh, virus in April. Um, He had been going back and forth to the hospital for appointments, and we were pretty sure he probably got it because he was going to New Orleans a lot. And uh, so for all you people who are masked, please wear them because it protects the older and the more vulnerable people. Oh, I'm so sorry to so sorry to hear that. I, I I'd imagine at that point there was not enough that was known about it. It was like in April, like uh, no. March, April. Yeah, and uh, you know when they have that many people, this you know the hospital he would go to is right in New Orleans, and when they have it's it's the one of the largest ones they have there. When they have that many people 
did, you know, with the virus spreading. And of course, I don't think they even knew back then that they had people who could be asymptomatic, you know, walking around with it. So uh, nobody else around him, you know, got it. So we're pretty sure that's probably where it came from. But so everyone just needs to be mindful and, and careful. But um, other than that, you know, everything has been really good, been really, really great. So uh, I'm glad from outside of that, things are safe for you. Yeah. Well, um, on, on War Wow, we do some trivia. Are you ready to do a little bit of trivia? I am. Okay. Now, you might have an advantage on this topic because the topic this week is about lizards. Uh-oh. <laughs> and uh, that's because our expert guest this week is uh, an anole expert. I know. I think I, I follow them on uh, Twitter. To remind everybody at home, the way Wurwa works is I read three statements. Two of them are, tr- two of them are uh, fake and one of them is true. Two are woo and one is a wow. And you have to find the true statement. So, All right. You ready, ready to go? Yep. You ready? You ready? Okay. Now, remember, don't guess till the end. Some guests, uh, they guess right off the start, and they don't have enough information. All right. Oh, that sounded like, was that Rougarou? That was actually Wazo, my uh, German Wazo. show here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he loves to, like, get on the computer, so he, he's just right here. <laughs> he's paying attention. Oh, and now here's, Rue's here now with his head on my lap. He's listening, so. <laughs> if, you, if you listen to the previous podcast episode, we talked a lot about... You're two amazing dogs. There's some really cool stories there. So anyways, <laughs> back to the trivia. All right. The first statement. The chameleon eye is thought to have incredible movement. However, this isn't true. It's the head of the chameleon that turns and the eye has only limited movement. Hmm. Okay. The second statement. Many lizards go their whole life without ever so much drinking a sip of water. Hmm, that's interesting. (laughs) All right, ready for the last one? Yes. Okay, the last statement. The enormous and terrifying Komodo dragon has a bite that oozes bacteria that slow and kill its prey. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, do you need a recap or do you think you can go through them? Uh, I think I I I know. I have a... Yeah, I think I know which one's right. You do? Okay. Yeah. So let's let's knock off the ones you think are wrong first. Which ones which ones are you think are not correct? Well, the first one I don't think is correct because I think that their eyes can move. But I could be wrong. So I don't think the first one is correct. Okay. The second one God, what was the second one? I was so busy. Oh many the lizards one was about the ones that didn't drink. Um, I'm not so sure about that one. I know that they can absorb water from just being in the water. Like, uh, they can, you know, take in water through their pores, but I don't know if they never drink. So I'm not quite sure about that. However, on the third one, I do know that the Komodo dragons have a tremendous amount of bacteria in their saliva. And what they will do normally with their prey is they will bite their prey, get them infected. And then once the prey succumbs to the infection, then they eat them. Okay. So you're thinking that last, you're thinking that last statement is true. I think the Komodo dragon one is the true one. Alrighty. <laughs> okay. So let's, uh, let's knock down the first one. You thought the first statement was incorrect. You are, and you are right. That is a fake statement. The chameleon eye 
does have incredible movement, almost 360 degrees of movement, and the chameleon eyes can move independently of one another. They have crazy yeah. eyeballs. I actually saw that on Twitter. They had a, a video of one, and you could see the eyeballs moving in different directions. Can you imagine if humans could do that? That would make me a better teacher. I could watch the board and and be writing and then look behind my head at kids making sure they're not like being dumb or texting. Oh, that would be interesting, but I, I have a hard time focusing on just the one thing that I can see. I can't imagine if I was had that much oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> That, that would be That's too right. much for me. I would be like overloaded. My brain couldn't handle it. Your brain would have to put two separate visions together, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's a lie. We're down to two statements, Elizabeth. Okay. Now, you thought, that, you thought the last statement was the true statement about the Komodo dragon. Right. And that, that statement is... That one's actually false. That is a oh. myth. That the, I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> that's no, that's a tricky one. It, in 2000, 2009, it was dispelled that uh, Komodo dragons have bacteria in their saliva. It's actually venom that glands in their jaw secrete. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's a very popular myth. That's awesome, though, because, I mean, I love to learn new stuff. And, uh, I, I mean, I remember seeing that, uh, you know, on specials on TV and stuff, and that's what they yeah. would say. But it's great that yep. someone was able to, to figure that out. That's amazing. It was an Australian uh, research team. And it kind of makes sense. Like, Komodo dragons are pretty rare. And you don't really – I'm not sure yeah. how many of them they've actually, like, dissected to figure out what actually kills prey. Right. And it is true they have – they have bacteria in their mouth. That's true, but it's it's not it's not what harms or slows or incapacitates prey. Correct. They actually secrete. Yeah, they actually secrete a venom, which is something similar to this um, happened in our history here in Louisiana. Um, probably, probably two or three generations before me, a lot of the uh, you know older French Cajun people. A lot of them thought that alligators had venom because when an alligator would bite someone, of course, you know, it would get all infected and the person would probably die. And they, they thought that they had venom. And it wasn't until, you know, I guess the last maybe, you know, 100 years or so that they figured out that that wasn't the case. But it's kind of like the reverse of that. I guess there's bacteria everywhere. And proper sterilization didn't occur then. Yeah, and they didn't, you know, they didn't have antibiotics or anything. And people were not, oh, yeah. people weren't educated. I mean, they were just trying to survive. So it's pretty interesting. It's kind of like the reverse of what, what, what I just learned. But that is pretty neat. Right. So that means the second statement was the true statement. Um, lizards can absorb enough water through food they eat. They actually don't need to drink. Um, That's uh, amazing. Not every, lizard, not every lizard, but uh, most lizards can. And they and there are some lizards that go their whole life without needing to actually ever drink water. Yeah, I was con I was thought about that one because um, I've seen a rehabber put lizards in um, like little little pails of, of water, you know, like sh really shallow water, just to hydrate them. So that was a kind of I was thinking about that one, but oh, I just thought I knew for sure exactly what was going on with that Komodo dragon. But I learned something new today. Yeah, and you know what's you know what's scary is. Uh, about when I started teaching, I taught that the Komodo dragon had bacteria. So I've like messed up a generation of kids. <laughs> it, I, it, was, it wasn't until about 
four or five years ago that I found that fact. And I was like, oh my goodness, because uh, I always use the Komodo dragon as like an apex predator in, you know, like ecology discussions. Yeah. So there's like, there's like 10 years of kids I've told wrong information to. Wow. Well, that's okay. There's like, there's a whole generation of people that have the wrong generation, the, the wrong information, but now we're going to, we're learning better. So that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? It was really cool to catch up with you and talk to you again, Elizabeth. Um, and thanks for playing Woo or Wow this week. You're welcome. And uh, Wazo says uh, goodbye. He's right here. He's just he's on, he's trying to hit the computer, uh, the keyboard. <laughs> oh man, I love your dog so much. They're All so right. cool. Well, tell Bunton and Beaker uh, hello for me and give them some pats. I will. I will. Okay. All right. You take care. Ow! Okay, it's time for story time with me. It's time for the section story time, which if you're new or you forgot, is when we talk about stories. This time, we're doing something very special. We have a special guest with us. Ooh, a special guest. Who is that special guest? I'll let him introduce himself. Hi, I'm Duncan Zakowski. Um, this is one of my, uh, this is the first time doing a podcast. <laughs> You don't you don't live at home anymore, so this is why. Yeah, and it's been a lot of fun uh, seeing how far far uh, Bunsen and Beaker have grown uh, as uh, as a social media celebrities, as well as with the family, and they're always a source of uh, joy in my day to in my day to day. One example of this is with uh, Beaker. The first time I uh, the first time I ever actually saw a picture of her was uh, after all a very long and hard day at work. Uh, there was too much freight in the freezer, and there was uh, not enough fresh uh, not enough fresh meat in the cooler. And it was just all around a very chaotic and not very fun day. But at the end of, the, of that, uh, Chris sent a video of uh, the breeder picking up Beaker and showing uh, her to me. And that uh, really warmed up my heart at the end of the day. I hope that does the same for other people as well. That was Duncan's story. All right. Dad, do you have a story? An interesting story that happened. I'll keep my story really short. On social media, you've probably seen Beaker digging holes. Uh, we're pretty sure she can hear the moles that we have running underneath the ground because she turns her head to the side and she rushes and then she rapidly digs holes as big as herself. So we have to start curbing this because she's getting very good at digging holes and I don't want bigger holes than the mole holes we're, <laughs> we're dealing with these stupid moles. We had badgers that ate them all two years ago, but I don't know where the badgers went. They're gone and we have moles again. That's my story. Beaker is slowly becoming a mole. Very cool. No. Not not too cool, but still pretty cool. Here comes mom with her story. I just wanted to share the story of taking uh, the dogs to Siffler Falls. We went on a hike and it was Beaker's first time and it was a easy hike. Um, relatively easy that's what the internet said and she was rearing to go she had so much energy she's a little bit competitive which I wonder where she gets that from but she wanted to be in the front uh, like the whole time or she wanted to be walking in tandem with Bunsen but we were really quite surprised Uh, Jason had rigged up the backpack for when she got tired but she didn't get tired. We tried. Spoiler alert, she got tired and she didn't want to go in the back. Well, yeah, okay. But um, so we slowed it down, slowed down the pace, and um, and it was a really great hike. Really great day. Got out um, and she slept for the entire way home. <laughs> and she pretty much slept all of today, too. <laughs> That's my story. Okay, 
So that brings us to my story. And my story is a, is a pretty good story, all right? So two or three days ago, Dad had taken Bunsen and Beaker on a walk, and it was raining, all right? And if you don't know, we have tall grass back there, and then the dogs get soaked, all right? They are so wet and gross, just disgusting, all right? So I'm laying down on the ground with Beaker, and I kind of I kind of try to rub Beaker, and she's... She's not too happy about being wet. She's, she's just kind of rubbing her face into the ground. And as soon as I put my hand on her, she goes, Ah! She screams at me. She doesn't bark. She screams at me. Jeez. That's what Beaker dig. And I don't know. Yeah, she went, Ah! I think she needs a bit of anger management. <laughs> but, yeah, that's basically, that's basically what happened. And usually she's a nice snuggly buggly. But not that day. She decided she was all done, and she screamed at me. That's been my section of the podcast, and yeah, we're done. Thanks, Duncan, for showing up for the po- for this section of the podcast this time. Yeah, it was cool to have him. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll have more surprise guests in the future. I think that's time to wrap up my section. I'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. And we're at the end of another episode of the Science Podcast. Thanks for coming back week after week to listen. And special thanks to our expert guest, Chelsea Connor, who talked to us about anoles and art. Please follow her on social media. We'd also like to thank our patrons on Patreon. Take it away, Chris. Andrea Persons, Bianca Hyde, Brooke Lavallo, Shelby Leggett, Daniel Fry, Elizabeth Bourgeois, Judith Morton, Karen Beth St. George, Catherine Lynch, Kathleen Zerker, Mary Coos, Marianne McNally, Ben Rathert, Liz Button, and Rebecca Rutherford. Thanks, guys. Let's end the podcast with Bunsen and Beaker's motto. And we've got our great niece, Ellie, to help us out. For science and empathy and cuteness.